Good evening, I'm Jodie and it's my privilege to bring you the Bible reading today. I'll be reading from Colossians 1 verses 3 to 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks for reading for us, Jody. And if you do have a Bible with you there, I might keep it open at Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at that this evening. Uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, Simone and I went down to the Esplanade to go for a run, uh, as you do in January when you're still fresh with your New Year's resolutions. And uh, after we went for a run and took a nice little dip in the uh, lagoon, uh, I decided to pick up some takeaway on my way home for dinner. Probably kind of undid the work I did on the run. But anyway, I went into the night, uh, the night market food court uh, to one of the noodle uh, shops there, and uh, I ordered myself a spicy noodle, beef noodle soup guy looked at me and said, uh, are you sure? And uh, I, I probably should have got the hint to that point, but I was like, oh, yeah, no, I grew up in India. I'm spicy, I love spicy. Uh, and he says, okay, well, you, you can, uh, but it is very spicy. And uh, i got to tell you, he was not wrong. Uh, it was a very spicy bowl of noodle soup. I think maybe I thought it was spicy beef noodle soup. It was actually spicy beef noodle soup. Um, and uh, it was like full-on eye-watering, sweat-inducing, brace yourself for every mouthful because you knew your mouth was just going to be burning uh, every time you put it in. The chilli flavour just dominated uh, the whole dish. And I guess what I want us to see tonight as we come to this prayer that Paul prays uh, for the, the Christians in uh, this little town of Colossae, what I want us to see is that uh, just as the chilli flavour dominated my beef noodle soup, uh, the gospel of Jesus should dominate our prayers. When we come to talk to God, it's our thoughts about Jesus and the good news of Jesus that should saturate our prayers. The good news about Jesus should uh, be the biggest influence both on how we pray and also on what we pray for. Now, it sounds a bit like an abstract idea, doesn't it? A gospel-flavoured prayer. But 
that is exactly what we have in our passage tonight, a very practical example of a gospel-flavoured prayer. Paul explicitly links uh, the things that he's praying for to the good news about Jesus. He starts by uh, giving thanks uh, for the fruit of the gospel in the lives of the Christians, and then he prays that actually more fruit would grow, gospel fruit uh, would grow in their lives. So let's dive in uh, to these verses and uh, have a look at what uh, Paul, how Paul prays. Uh, and the first thing that he does, we see in this prayer, is his deep gratitude for the gospel fruit uh, in the lives of the Christians that he's writing to. Apostle Paul is so thankful that the gospel has had this great effect in the lives of the people. Uh, he's so thankful for the new qualities that are beginning to emerge uh, in their lives because they've heard the good news of Jesus. Look at what uh, he says in chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Faith, love and hope are springing up in the lives of these Christians because they've heard the gospel and they've accepted it. They've heard the true message about what Jesus has done and they've accepted it. Paul goes on to say these things are the fruit of the gospel. In verse 6, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now, I reckon uh, in terms of growing fruit, uh, the very easiest one to grow uh, is the one you can see on the screen, the pumpkin. Uh, and I know you want to say it's a vegetable, but you can Google it. It is actually a fruit. Uh, and it's very easy to grow. You know, all you have to do is basically uh, drop a seed anywhere in your yard. And in no time, you will find pumpkin vines growing all over the place and pumpkins springing up. And that's kind of the way that Paul talks about the gospel. Uh, Paul says this message of God's grace, the message that Jesus is the Lord and Saviour who's come to die and rise again, uh, this seed uh, of the gospel is being planted all over the world as people like Paul and people like his friend Epaphras go around and share with people. And as people receive the gospel, like pumpkins popping up, there's faith, hope and love. This fruit is popping up in people's lives. If you look a little bit more closely at what Paul says here, uh, it, the hope is actually the, the thing that comes first. Uh, the hope that Paul's talking about here is that the confidence that because of Jesus, we're going to inherit eternal life. Uh, it's kind of like Paul says, it's stored up in heaven for us. Uh, that, that eternal life is there in heaven uh, for us now. And because of that, we have this confidence for the future. Uh, we, we, uh, we know uh, the good thing that is going to happen in the future. That's the hope. But then Paul says, because we have confident hope, it enables us to live, first of all, with love, uh, with sacrificial love towards others. I think hope spring, uh, love springs from hope because when we know that God has got something so amazing planned for us in the future, 
Uh, it means we don't have to live for ourselves now. We don't have to fulfill all our own desires now. We can actually serve others uh, because we know God has our needs in hand and has our future in hand. So hope springs, love springs from hope and also faith springs from hope. If we know what God has planned in the future, what God has done for us, uh, done for our future, then we can live with confidence in him, with faith in him, even if we can't always see what's going on now, even if sometimes it feels like his plans aren't quite working out, uh, we can have confidence because of our hope. So uh, faith and love spring from hope. And together these three things are the most basic gospel fruit. And they're the things that really make Paul thankful when he thinks about the Christians. There are many other things he could have thanked God for, aren't there? He could have thanked God that they got good health. He could have thanked God that they were safe uh, for their recent promotion at work, their new house, the success that they'd had or their children had had at school or university. I'm sure that Paul at times did give thanks for those things but they weren't the first thing he thought of. The fruit of the gospel was the first thing. I think one of the good things about the fruit of the gospel is that this is something that belongs to all Christians. Other blessings come and go from our lives, good health or success or prosperity. Sometimes we enjoy those things, sometimes we don't. But every single Christian has a hope stored up from them in heaven. Every single Christian has Jesus' love in their lives that spills out into the love for others. And every single Christian has some measure of faith because that's how you become a Christian, to put your faith in Jesus. And so our first application for us today is to follow Paul's example, to actually make gratitude for gospel fruit Uh, the first priority in our lives. It doesn't matter whether you're praying for your friends, uh, whether you're praying for your family, uh, whether you're praying for your growth group or other people that you know from uh, church, praying for missionaries who are serving God in different places. Start with gospel gratitude. Start with thinking about what God is doing in people's lives through Jesus with faith, hope and love that uh, is there and give thanks to God for that. Thinking, well, I don't know, that doesn't sound like the way I speak. Well, you can always just take Paul's example here. Uh, fill in the name of people that you're praying for and actually pray Paul's prayers. And then when you get the hang of it, you can put it into your own words and uh, you know, make it more personal. I think uh, if you do want to get a bit of a deeper understanding of Paul's prayers in general, uh, and uh, he wrote a lot at the beginning of most of his letters, he starts by thanking God for people and praying for them. Uh, there's a great little book called Praying with Paul, A Call to Spiritual Reformation, and uh, it's a, a book of sermons by uh, this really excellent scholar Don Carson and uh, there's some sermons that he preached on all of Paul's different prayers and how we can learn from them uh, and shape our own prayers by them. So if you want to think a little bit more about this topic, I highly recommend uh, that book. Uh, you can get it on Kindle or wherever you get your books from. But Paul doesn't just thank God for the gospel fruit the Colossians are bearing. Uh, After he's thanked God, he then goes on to pray for them, but he prays that they'll have gospel growth in their lives. 
He prays that the gospel will bear more fruit uh, in their lives, that the Holy Spirit will help them to live out what they believe more and more. And there are three things I want to highlight from Paul's prayer in the second half of this passage. The first thing is that he prays that Christians would have a deepening knowledge of God's will, that the Holy Spirit would help them to understand God's plan. Look in verse 9 there. Uh, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Sometimes when we think about God's will for our lives, we think of a kind of hidden knowledge of the future. Uh, God's will is something that needs to be revealed to us, like you know, a note from a fortune cookie or a pattern in some tea leaves or something. You know, God's will for my life is the, person, the perfect person that he wants me to marry or the perfect house that he wants me to live in or the perfect job, that he, career that he wants me to pursue. But when you actually look a little bit more closely at the Bible, we actually see that God's will is not a secret. God's will is something that he's already revealed to us. God has actually told us everything we need to serve him faithfully. That doesn't mean God's told him everything, told us everything that he's going to do. Uh, of course, he hasn't done that. There's many things that we don't know. But he has revealed to us everything that we need to know. So what has he revealed about his will? Well, he's revealed that Jesus is his king and saviour. He's revealed that he wants everyone to hear about Jesus and be invited to put their faith in him. That's his will. He's revealed that one day he is going to bring everything in creation to come under the rule of Jesus and to acknowledge that Jesus is king. Those are some of the things that God has revealed about his big picture plan. Of course, there's more if you're reading the Bible. But he's also actually revealed about his will for us personally as Christians. God's will is that we become more holy like Jesus, that we be sanctified. God's will is that we rejoice always, that we pray continually, that we give thanks in all circumstances. That's what it says God's will is in 1 Thessalonians. See, God has revealed his will for us. And Paul is praying here in Colossians that Christians will be filled even more with the knowledge of his will that he's revealed and that they will have wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit so they can put it into practice in their lives. And so when it comes to those uh, decisions that we have to make in our lives, whether they're big decisions or small decisions, uh, decisions about who to marry or what to study or where to live or where to go to church or uh, how much to give to those in need or what ministries to serve in or what clothes or phone or shoes that we're going to buy, God's will is not knowing uh, you know, the perfect outcome of our decisions, uh, the, the, the perfect thing that he, he wants us to do. God's will is about knowing the priorities that he's given to us, the priorities that we should have as we make decisions and the kind of life that he wants us to live as we uh, make decisions about our lives. And when we've made our decisions based on the priorities that God has revealed to us, then living out God's will means trusting him uh, and living with holiness and joy and gratitude, uh, no matter how our decisions turn out. Because we don't always know, do we? Sometimes in this fallen world, we make the best decision and they turn out terribly. 
Other times we make a dumb decision or a sinful decision and God's gracious and it turns out well. But either anyway, to live according to God's will is to live with holiness, to live with joy and to live with gratitude. And you can see uh, Paul goes on to explain the purpose of knowing God's will uh, in the next uh, couple of verses. And it's not so. He doesn't say, you know, you need to know God's will so that you can have the happiest marriage or you need to know God's will so you can have the most successful career. No, verse 10. The purpose of being filled with God's will is so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bear fruit in every good work, and grow in the knowledge of God. The purpose of knowing God's will is so that you can live for him, so you can do good work, so you can bear the fruit uh, of good works. And there's that fruit again. Did you notice the connection back to what Paul thanked God for? He thanked God that Jesus was making fruit uh, in their Christians' lives. And now he prays that they'll have more fruit. I think it helps us to understand what the good works are. Start with the good works of faith and love and hope. Uh, they're the, the foundational things that we grow in our lives as Christians. And these are the things that God wants to see in all of our lives. We don't know what God's plan is uh, for us a lot of the time, but we do know that he wants us to bear the fruit of good works. We do know that he wants us to be growing in faith, hope, and love. I think it's a good opportunity as we start the new year to think about how we might grow in the knowledge of God's will that leads to gospel fruit. Uh, The first thing we can do perhaps is to put them at the top of our prayer list. Uh, whether we're praying for ourselves or others, uh, let's not make health or success or all those things uh, the first priority in our prayers. Let's follow Paul's example here and make uh, knowledge of God's will uh, and living a life worthy of Jesus. Uh, let's make them the, the top priority, the things that we pray for. And let's not only pray for these things, but let's actually uh, put them into practice as well. Have you thought of this year about how you're going to grow in the knowledge of God's will? You've got yourself sorted with a, a Bible reading plan so that you can be reading regularly and, and hearing God's will from his word. Uh, maybe you've got uh, a sermon or a podcast or something that you like to, to listen to uh, to help you grow in God's will. Uh, of course, uh, that's what we do here at church too, isn't it? Uh, we, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Corinthians uh, full of uh, information and knowledge of God's will uh, as we study uh, the Bible together. And so, uh, yeah, be, be committed to, to digging deep uh, with us together at church into God's word. But as Paul said, what's the purpose of growing deep in our knowledge? Well, it's to bear the fruit of good works. Have you thought about how the knowledge of God will spur you to live a life worthy of him? Who has God given you to serve this year? What opportunities do you have to grow in faith and love and hope? There's some of the ways we can put uh, Paul's prayer into practice here. But just as we come to the the last section of the prayer, there's one particular kind of fruit that Paul mentions in this last part of his prayer. He prays especially that Christians will have joyful endurance and gratitude for the gospel. Verse 11, 
He prays that they might be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul's praying here that just as he's been thankful uh, for the work of the gospel in their lives, that they'll also be thankful for the work of the gospel in their lives. And he gives this great summary of what the good news is. Uh, The good news is that uh, Jesus has, uh, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that he's brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son. Uh, The good news is that we have forgiveness of sins. Uh, And this good news is the gospel uh, that we are to be thankful for. And these are the blessings of the gospel that nothing can take away from us as Christians. These are blessings that we have in spite of disappointments in our lives, in spite of sickness, in spite of injustice, in spite of persecution, in spite of disaster. Nothing can take away the blessing of the gospel that Paul mentions here. And nothing is more important than these things. Nothing is more valuable. Uh, Not any success or promotion or popularity. Sometimes uh, when we come to pray, uh, we don't necessarily know exactly what to pray for. And Paul's example of prayer here, uh, it doesn't actually mean that we shouldn't ever pray for other concerns that that we have in our lives. Uh, God delights to hear everything, and and the Bible often tells us to bring uh, all our concerns to God in prayer. But it also does warn us to think about how we pray for things. The book of James uh, has a bit of a warning. It says, uh, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I think James is just reminding us that God is not a kind of giant piggy bank in the sky. Uh, He's not uh, Santa Claus uh, who exists there just to fulfill our own selfish desires. God's actually much better than that. God is a a loving father who actually cares for us and wants really what's best for us, uh, who knows what is best for us. And I think the way that we can be sure that we're not just uh, asking to fulfill our own selfish desires or, uh, you know, um, Asking with wrong motives is for us to let our prayers be shaped by the gospel. Let our prayers be gospel-flavoured. Let our prayers uh, have the same kind of pattern that we see Paul giving here. And the great thing is, I think, uh, and I find this personally, when I start my prayers with the kind of things that Paul prays for and thank God for the work of the gospel in my life and in the life of others uh, and pray that they'll be growing uh, in the fruit of good works, well, then I find that actually when I come to the other topics of concern, people's health and uh, what's going on for people at work and uh, people's relationships and all those kind of things, Actually, the prayers that I pray for them are also then shaped by God's priorities, uh, by their growth in faith and their growth in love uh, and and their growth in hope. And so uh, this is, I think, very helpful uh, for us to have, uh, to use Paul's example in prayer uh, so that we can have uh, gospel-flavoured prayers ourselves. 
Let's uh, now pray to God. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, first of all, for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the uh, kingdom of your son, uh, the kingdom of light. We thank you uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. And that means that we have no longer to fear judgment. We thank you for the hope uh, that we have, the hope of eternal life with Jesus uh, because he's been raised from the dead. Father, we pray that these wonderful gospel truths uh, would flavour all of our prayers in particular. This year, help us to rejoice uh, in the good news, uh, to give thanks and be full of gratitude, and help us also to uh, have prayers uh, that are full of the knowledge of you, uh, that uh, uh, prayers that are shaped by the fruit of good works that you want to grow in our lives. And we pray that as uh, our prayers are shaped by these things, so too our lives might be more and more shaped by them. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.